I'm visiting all 30 stadiums in one season to uncover the hidden stories that make baseball America's pastime. Rounding third with Manish Jane. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Chase Field. This is going to be tough. I was wrong. There is a way to do indoor baseball right, and the people here in Arizona have figured it out. Now, it's not just because it was about 150,000 degrees out. More accurately, I think it touched about 107, 108. The atmosphere inside of this retractable roof is spectacular. You guys have been subjected to my whining and complaining about watching baseball indoors with a roof over my head. And I'm sure, well, no, I'm sick of hearing me talk about it. So I'm telling you that I'm ready to take all of that back <laughs> in, in one fail swoop. Um, now, I'm not saying that this, this lets Miami and Houston and Tampa and everyone else off the hook, but they got it right here in Arizona. And the fact that they were the first retractable roof actually makes me a little bit sad that the other cities haven't taken a page out of their book. Um, built in 1998, the Arizona Diamondbacks are one of the newest franchises in Major League Baseball. And being located in the desert, for obvious reasons, they decided to go ahead and put a retractable roof on their stadium. Now, unlike places like Miami and Houston, who I still firmly believe are taking advantage of their closed roof policies, there are real health concerns about keeping the roof open here in Arizona. I had so much fun that I decided to go to two games uh, while I was down here at Chase Field, but that first game, there was a promotional giveaway. And, you know, I'm sure if, you've, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, you've been to your fair share of giveaway days at the ballpark. You know, sometimes you get a bobblehead, you might get a replica jersey, maybe a poster. Uh, you know, the t-shirt is generally on the lower end of what you can expect at the park. Um, so I assumed that on a day where it was about 105, 110, that if I got to the ballpark a couple hours early, you know, I, I should be in good shape. You know, for a 7 o'clock start time, I should be okay if I get there by about 4.30, 4, 4.30. Well, much to my surprise... By the time I arrived in downtown Phoenix, there was a line around the block of people that had showed up around 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the hot, hot sun, all to get themselves a free Diamondbacks t-shirt. Now, I applaud these folks for their dedication and their passion and their desire to get free stuff, but... oh. <laughs> I mean, I had to go sit in the shade for a little bit and sit um, at the bar where they had nice little misting areas where you could be uh, covered in, in cool water and listen to some live music. Uh, but I digress. It was hot. I'm grateful there was a roof. I'm sorry to the... Uh, you know what? No, I'm not sorry. I'm not apologizing. I maintain my indignance towards Miami and Houston and Tampa for, well, not so much Tampa, it's not really their fault, but Miami and Houston for choosing to close the roof on days where they really didn't need to. But, you know, down here in Phoenix, if we're going to continue to have baseball in Arizona, we really need to make sure that these people are covered because it gets hot. But enough about the weather. 
I may have found the best ballpark on the planet in regards to fan relations and just overall experience for the people in the stands. Um, you know, thus far, Camden is still kind of number one for me as far as being the quintessentially best baseball park. Um, St. Louis is still near the top for the views. Kansas City is still tops for um, if you got kids. But for kids, adults, people of all ages, I think Arizona might be number one. Um, for, for overall fan experience, I cannot believe just how, as I said, I went to two games here, you know, now, and, and a lot of times if you go to one game, you know, you can, you might catch them on a good day. You know, you might see the mascot who's decided today he's going to go a little bit in the stands or the uh, ushers that you may have met some one day might be extra nice, but you know, when you go to two games, you get a pretty good sense of what it's really like to go to the stadium. And I'm telling you, both games that I went to were, were so much fun from from top to bottom, from the players in the field to the mascot to the rally backs to the um, just the ushers, the vendors. Literally every single person that I met there went out of their way to make sure that everyone was having a good time. Um, you know... A lot of a lot of stadiums have mascots nowadays, and I'll be honest with you, most of them are pretty lame. You know, they they will either stay on the field or stay on the dugout. They might run around here or there, but it's kind of you know whatever. It's mainly just for the young young kids to see something, some big furry animal, you know, running around. But you know, they got the bobcat here in in Arizona, and this mascot was constantly running around the field, running around the stadium, stopping and taking pictures with people, kids, adults, it didn't matter. He was having fun, you know, sitting in the seats and messing with the fans or just doing something to keep everybody engaged. Uh, on top of that, you know, they've got obviously the indoor pool that we all know about. That's that that's a fun little gimmick, but, you know, I was interested to see that that is available to the general public. You know, I assumed wrongfully that that may be bought out by some corporate company year after year. But uh, no, I mean, if you have the money and you have the the luck to be able to reserve it early, anyone can go and spend a day in that pool, which is, you know, if you get, if you live down there, it'd be a kind of fun little thing to try once or twice. But if you're not lucky enough to snag yourself a swimming pool seat, there's another type of pool that is open to anybody at any point during the game. As you walk around the concourse and you find yourself near the center field area, you can come across a place called the Diamond Club, which, you know, it's pretty much got its standard bar set up and couches and chairs for people to sit in and enjoy the game from center field. But they also have a really nice pool table set up. As long as nobody else is using it, it's free to play. Luckily, this is one of the rare games where I was not going alone, and so my buddy Rindler and I went ahead and racked it up. And I am proud to say that I am the rounding third undefeated 30-stadium tour champion of pool. And to be fair, both of us were terrible, and I got lucky. But honestly, it was pretty fun um, to be able to play a game of pool there with the field in the background. There's a lot about the stadium that I really love. I mentioned in my write-up for the site that it's the little things that make this park special. Uh, I don't know exactly why I felt this way, but this was the first domed stadium where, at a certain point, I legitimately forgot that there was a roof over my head. 
Now, I'm not sure if this roof is somehow higher than the rest or if there's some architectural reason why it felt much more expansive. But, you know, when I was in Miami and when I was in Houston, I was constantly aware that there was a roof above my head and I was constantly aware that I was indoors. But this was really the first one where it completely just slipped my mind. And it was honestly just about the game on the field and the excitement of exploring this 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 ballpark. I mentioned the rallybacks earlier, and I really got to say how unbelievably impressed I was at just the interaction and the excitement level that that these girls showed for not only just the Diamondbacks, but in really getting the fans up off their feet and, and excited to watch a game. For both games that I attended, there was a sign-making setup that the rallybacks had where anyone could go and they supplied the markers, they supplied the poster board, they supplied everything, and they helped you create your own sign. I ended up spending, I'm going to say, a solid 20 to 25 minutes just hanging out at this table, talking to these girls, talking to some of the guys that were hanging around there about Diamondbacks baseball and just watched people make signs to support individual players, just the team itself, or even just Major League Baseball. It's amazing how such an easy, simple thing can really unify a fan base. As soon as one person makes a sign, all of a sudden you notice dozens of other people wanting to get their own signs made or admiring other people's signs, stopping people as they walk around trying to really uh, appreciate all the hard work and love and passion that went into creating these little signs. Uh, as I've said before, it's, it's the little things. You know, even as you're listening to this, you may think to yourself, Manish, what are you talking about? It, they're making signs. Relax. It's not that big of a deal. You know, they got a pool table. Who cares? I got a pool table in my basement. It's not that big of a deal. Ooh, so the mascot hangs out with the people. Oh, I don't care. You're right. In and of themselves, doesn't really matter. But altogether, it creates this perfect amalgamation of fun. This is a team that, as I mentioned earlier, came into existence in 1998. It doesn't have the history of a Yankees or a Cubs or, or even a, a Rangers or a Twins. A big part about coming out to the ballpark is sitting in the same seats that our fathers and grandfathers sat in, you know, and, and watching the same uniforms that were around in the early 1900s. It's the historical context that makes baseball so great. Arizona's still building their historical context. Sure, they've got a World Series to their name, but they came into existence when I was in high school. I mean, they don't really have a lot to, to talk about. So instead of focusing on the past, they're trying to focus on the future, and they're trying to create an environment that's going to invite more young kids out to the ballpark, and not just young kids, but people of all ages. You know, the one thing I haven't even mentioned yet is for Game 1, oh, I'm sorry, for Game 2, that I was at, I sat along the third base side, and I was on the front row, the third base side, pretty decent seats, and before the game, as the Diamondbacks players are warming up, and they're on the field stretching and whatnot, Didi Gregorius and a couple of the other Diamondbacks players just saunter over to the uh, uh, to the wall there, and they just start signing autographs and, and talking to some of the fans. This is about 10 minutes before first pitch, 15 minutes before first pitch, and they're still enjoying themselves and, and just interacting with, with all the fans. 
in most ballparks, there's a designated area for autographs or to talk to the players. And that's normally about an hour before the game. And it's right down by the dugouts. And you might be able to get one of the coaches or one of the bench players or someone who's really not in the lineup that day to sign something for you. But to have some of their star players like Didi Gregorius and I saw Paul Goldschmidt talking to some people, to have these guys take the time to go and speak to the young fans was something that I was incredibly impressed with. Once again, it's the little things. It's because of these little things that Arizona has been able to build a fan base of people who actually never really liked baseball to begin with. Uh, And that includes a gentleman by the name of Daniel McLaughlin and his lovely young daughter, Madison, who I was sitting next to at the game and I started chatting with. And I found out that Daniel was a guy who never liked baseball uh, until 1998. And since 1998, he goes to games every single year and has become a diehard Arizona Diamondbacks fan. He takes his daughters to the ballpark individually and together. Uh, Today, it was his time with his uh, young girl, Madison, who I was also able to get on the podcast just for a couple seconds there to get her feelings about Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. But it was really quite encouraging to see that this was a grown man. He was already a fully grown adult male who never enjoyed baseball. But when the Diamondbacks came to town, he came out to the ballpark and instantly became a fan. And I give a lot of credit to that, to the Arizona Diamondbacks ownership uh, and just their front office. Because I've been to ballparks where, you know, if you come to the game late in life and you don't really know what's going on, it can be difficult to pick up all the nuances and what makes baseball fun. But Arizona here, they do not allow you to not have fun. From the moment you step inside that ballpark, there is something for absolutely everybody. Um, But with that, I want to quickly just let you guys listen to the the brief chat that I had with Daniel and his daughter. And after you hear that, uh, we'll be right back. All right, so uh, I'm at Chase Field with... Daniel McLaughlin. Daniel, it's nice to meet you. And uh, we are uh, sitting here, and we're under the dome here, but it's about 130,000 degrees outside, so it's it's all right to sit uh, in a roof when it's this this hot. So you've been a season ticket holder off and on? Not even a season Not ticket holder. Do no, you just come to 20, 40 games a year? Uh, this game so far, I've only been to eight, but I used to come to anywhere between 20 to 30 games a year. That is pretty fantastic. And you've been coming here since 1998? Yep. So you were telling me before uh, we turned this on that you actually never liked baseball before 1998. You didn't have a team. You were a big football guy, and you jumped over to baseball with the Diamondbacks. Yep. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, how did that happen? Um, it was more or less a bunch of friends got together. <laughs> we got uh, tickets to our first game. We were sitting three rows from the top. I mean, way up in the top of uh, Bank One Ballpark at the time. Um, they all came to party. I came to watch the game. <laughs> Just became an avid Diamondbacks fan after that. Just it, wanted to go to more games. I love the aura of this park, the people in this park, the, the Diamondbacks themselves. Just a great team. You know, that's really really fun for me to hear because most people you hear aren't really fans and they're old you know and, and as they get older they basically you either became a fan when you were a kid or you pretty much never liked baseball so the fact that you were able to come to it a little bit late it's pretty fascinating to me oh yeah i, I love it I mean, i'll sit here i think i've only watched i think i've only missed six games on tv 
with the exception of the games that I have that I've come to, I've only missed about six of them on, that were on TV this year. That is absolutely fantastic. So uh, I know this is going to be a hard question. You've been coming for so long, but can you just tell me a couple of your just favorite memories of you know coming here to Chase Field and kind of what this means to both you know you and also the community in the city? Well, I'm making some great memories this season with um, the daddy-daughter nights. Having being a father of three daughters, I'm on my second daddy-daughter night with my middle daughter sitting next to me, who I call Mini Me. Um, I'm, I'm building some really good memories this year, especially with my kids, um, with getting autographed baseballs and winning items and sitting so close to the field, knowing the players. Um, in the past, some of my favorite memories, um, as bad as it may sound, when Jay Bell threw the ball and hit the umpire in the face and broke his nose. Um, you know, games like that kind of stand out to you. I mean, watch it, watching, <laughs> watching stuff like that. That I mean, not on purpose, but yeah. um, you, you can always go back and say I was sitting right over there when that happened. It's. <laughs> I mean, I, there's not a single section in the lower section that I really don't have a memory of me sitting in there watching a game, um, whether it be a good game or a bad game. I've sat here and watched 15 inning games and haven't left to the last out. That is, that's, oh, see, that makes, that warms my heart right there. Not leaving to the last out, that is something that I'm a big proponent of. And I got to tell you, another thing is, bringing your lovely daughter here, I desperately want more girls and more women to be at the ballpark. So I like the fact, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you, what do you, this is your first game, correct? No, I've actually been here before. Oh my goodness, I was wrong. This is your third game. Okay, is this your first game this year? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, so it's your first game this year. So tell me, what was your first experience at the ballpark? What exactly was that like for you? Uh, I kind of felt lost, and um, I was kind of a little confused about the how it worked, And um, but it was really fun. You like coming with your dad? Yeah. So, um... In the last couple of years now, you know, you guys have been flirting with the playoffs here and there, but in 2001, we all know you guys had that magical year. What are your, some of your memories about uh, coming out to the ballpark that season? Oh, uh, 2001 was, it was a good year. Um, I think I did 20 games that year and finished it off with game one and game seven of the 2001 World Series. Um, you really, you can't get any more highlights than that. Um, I had, I guess you could say back then, I knew a lot of low people in high places. Um, and being in the position I was, being a superintendent for seven of the largest home builders in the state of Arizona, I got tickets thrown at me all the time. Um, to get those tickets, not only to get those tickets. Well, hold on one second. We got a scoreboard game here, and this gentleman just did something or other, and he's bowing. <laughs> he's very happy. <laughs> he's knocking over water bottles with a baseball that is hanging off his head from a sock. I didn't really do that justice but it's oh they're tights i apologize yes those were tights <laughs> all right go ahead but to sit here in section 131 and actually be sitting in row 10 in game seven of the 2001 world series i mean can you can you not get any better than that that i'm i, I was uh, able to sit behind home plate for the tigers world series back in 06 and obviously that was a much different uh, uh, result there. So I can only imagine what it can be like to be there for a game seven clinching game for your home team and watching that. That's I'm like, that's the dream. That's what everybody wants to do. The decibel level was deafening. Well, that's, you know, I, you know, I'm doing this 30 stadium tour and obviously this is a dream of all baseball fans. But look, to this day, I've never been to a clinching game of a World Series live for my home team. That is, I think right there, that's that's uh, that's a memory that you're going to take for the rest of your life. Yep. Absolutely. So who, who um, do you remember who you were at the game with for that uh, for that one? Um, a guy named Marty is who I came to the game with. Um, haven't actually talked to him since about 2002. So it, it's just one of those we were happened to be working together. The tickets were given to us. 
um, he was another superintendent for the company, and we were the two chosen to go. Yeah, but you know what? You guys are going to be forever bonded with that memory. Yep. You'll see each other 30 years from now, and that'll be the first thing you say exactly. to each other. Do you remember Game 7? <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're going to wrap this up real quick. If you just had any other final thoughts about this field, about this team, kind of what it means to this city. You said you've been, you, you lived in, in uh, Nevada for a couple years, but yep. you've been basically native-born, uh, yep. uh, what is it, Phoenician? Is that? Yep. All right. Uh, so just what does this stadium mean to this uh, city? Um, when the stadium came to town, there was a lot of controversy because, first off, the taxpayers played for half the stadium. Um, so there was a lot of controversy of do we need baseball in Arizona. Um, and we just unfortunately saw a Colorado Rockies home run right there, but that's all right. So, it's a solo shot. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Um, what is brought to us, I mean, so far, we're the, it's the only Arizona team to ever win a world championship. Um, the playoffs that we've gone to. Um, it has brought so much income, so much revenue, um, so much publicity, and so much of a fan base of just the great players they bring into the Diamondbacks. And the general managers and the vice presidents and the managers that we've had have all struggled through 1998 since we have became a team to make sure that we get the right players in this town to really I would say bend over backwards for the fans. I mean, the, the players' wives are always doing stuff for the Diamondbacks charities. The Diamondbacks charities is one of the biggest charities in all of Major League that donate the most money out of, out of anybody. Well, that is fantastic. You know, I, that is the one thing they, I've heard them say something about this is the best fan experience. And, and you know, and you hear that. A lot of the stadiums uh, boast that. But I will say, thus far, I've been having an absolute blast. I mean, I think I told you, I've, I've gone to a couple of games under a dome. And normally, I'm very against domed baseball or inside baseball. But it is... It, this place, you know, for, for all everybody out there, you need to come and check out Chase Field because it is just a beautiful ballpark. And pretty much everyone top to bottom in this organi organization has been unbelievably gracious to me and, and my buddy. And just, you know, it, it's been a really fun time. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it goes back to when the Buck Showalter, who started this franchise, he's the one who designed the locker room. I mean, ever since then, uh, the managers and the players <coughs> and the fan base, I honestly, I don't think you can beat it. I don't think you can. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate no it. Problem. Thank you. A big thanks to Daniel and his daughter Madison for chatting with me there during the game. And that's actually the first time I'd listened back to that interview since uh, being at the game. And I got to tell you, I didn't realize how much I was gushing about the fan experience in the interview itself. So I apologize to all of you listening to this right now for having to hear me go on and on and on about how great the the Diamondbacks organization is. But, you know, it's it's all the truth. It, it's You can tell from that interview that in the moment I was just as excited as I am right now. I, I really do highly, highly, highly recommend catching a game in Phoenix, uh, no matter what the weather's like because it's always going to be cool inside that dome. Now, there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring up that uh, were discussed in that interview. The first was Madison's idea of feeling lost when she first came to Chase Field. And I really like the way she put that. I've talked to quite a lot of people about their first experiences stepping foot inside of a major league ballpark. And both young and old, one of the most common themes that I hear is the idea of feeling lost, feeling small, feeling less than. And, you know, it's one of those experiences that I remember from going to Tiger Stadium for the first time and feeling like I was just this little insignificant speck 
But as soon as you sit down in those seats, you're no longer an insignificant speck. You're a part of something bigger, a part of something greater. You're a part of the common goal that we all have to cheer our team on to victory. And that's when you become hooked. That's when you go see 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 games a year. That's when you become a baseball fan. You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I may not even talk about. I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the scoreboard game that you heard us get interrupted by during the interview very briefly. And you know, I'll, I'll just make this quick. Essentially, I get sick and tired of people saying that baseball is boring and that baseball is too slow and there's too much downtime in baseball because in between innings, it's about a minute, minute and a half. And when you're watching it live, they've always got something going on on the scoreboards, whether it be a trivia contest or a little song and dance number or kiss cam or the mascots coming out and shooting off t-shirts into the crowd. They've got there's you're constantly being stimulated. So if your problem is that it's boring, then you, sir or madam, may have a severe case of ADHD and you need to go talk to your doctors because you got to get that checked out. If anything, it's almost an overstimulating experience coming to the ballpark these days. So I'll, I'll cut myself short there before getting on some long old man rant about, you know, you kids these days. But I would just say that once again, much like everything else these guys did, they made sure that the fans were entertained in between innings and that there was never a dull moment here at Chase Field. This was the 13th stop on my 30 stadium tour. And, you know, so far, I mean, by just leaps and bounds, this has been the best overall experience I've had. You know, I had a lot of fun in Atlanta. I had a great time in Camden and in Kansas City and in St. Louis and in Baltimore and D.C. Everywhere. I've had, I've had fun at every single stadium. Don't get me wrong. But just pure right to my veins from the moment I stepped in to the field to the moment I left. It wasn't just the fans that made this place a really good time. It was the, the, the organization. You know, I, I think I had mentioned that Atlanta at this point was probably the most just pure, unadulterated fun that I had had so far on this tour. But that was largely because of the fan base that was there and just the excitement that was in that stadium. Uh, I, I firmly believe that even if there was 10,000 people in the stands in at Chase Field, I would still have a good time just because this organization does such a good job of making sure that everybody is taken care of. So... Arizona, keep it up. There are 17 more teams that I got to check out to see if they're going to challenge for your title. But right now, you are a, a clear winner for overall fan experience. So with that last bit of praise, it brings us to the end of another podcast. I will remind you to go check out roundingthird.net for all the write-ups and photos that I've taken of the tour so far. Please follow me at roundingthirdmj on Twitter. You can... Shoot me an email anytime at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions you have, I'd be glad to answer. As always, I want to thank Blake White for the theme music. I want to thank Icarus Ronan for the uh, wonderful work he did on the web design. And uh, Krishna Jain for his tireless efforts editing the tens of thousands of photographs that I'm taking. Thank you so much to all of you for listening. It's time for me to leave Arizona and head to California. So join me next time. As I continue to round third, heading for home.
Rounding Third with Manish Jane.